Welcome back to Black Couch Reviews. I'm your host, Christina. We're back to discuss the fifth episode of Mindhunter Season 2. Story by Pamela Cedarquist. Teleplay. She is joined by Liz Hanna. Directed by Andrew Dominic. We get our long-awaited interview with Charles Manson. We definitely know that that Ford wanted this for a very long time and yet he wasn't the one that led the interview which I was surprised about but pleasantly surprised about in a manner that highlights I think better of what someone who isn't quite as uh, pliable as Holden is would react to a man like that. So I love that they they kind of mess with my expectations there. And we explore the first cult of personality, so to speak. The first cult in the series versus everyone else who's been serial killers. And here's a man that has never killed and has the disposition of a hobbit you are very small like a pebble so you know he started off life with an insecurity complex and i loved everything about getting the getting the fallout and seeing how that's affecting bill and even the way he's changing his approach to his work even though he's being which i would of course if holden was around are you fucking kidding me discreet about the things that are happening in his life and how we talk about compartmentalization with these serial killers and yet the people that are going after these serial killers are just as or share some common traits before we jump into the review and recap, wherever you listen to this podcast, Podbean, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, wherever good podcasts can be found, go down to the rating section, drop some stars, leave a review. My social media will be there as well. Like, share, subscribe. If you want to send feedback, like a couch at gmail.com. You can leave a comment below. We begin in Park City, Kansas. Back to the BTK ki- uh, killer. Do I need to say killer when it's BTK? He buries his secret in the backyard, which is his fetish. And that is how he compartmentalizes his own life versus his desires. Those fantasies, as Kemper talks about, that start to consume. He's being caught by his wife and now... He has to think even harder on how does he continue to enact out this fantasy while maintaining an outward appearance of normality. Bill and Nancy discuss their son's behavior. Nancy is sympathetic, believing he was trying to non-verbally tell them what had happened when he had wet the bed. He said, I'm sorry, mommy. Maybe she could have read into that versus, no, I'm sorry, I read wet the bed. She's 
overanalyzing, but she's also she's also making more excuses than Bill is. And that's to be expected based on what Bill does for a living. Uh, his intentions that she said, and I'm still not sure if he said it, or if he thought that would be an explanation she would accept being very uh, religious based that she thought putting Daniel, the boy that the toddler that died up on the cross was going to bring him back to life. In Bill's mind, he knew what was happening. He watched that the kid was being smothered or that they were playing too rough and the kid accidentally got smothered. He knew the boy was dead and he took action that most other kids would be to run off and find an adult. Call 911 now! Or at the very least cry and then find an adult afterwards. Nancy is disappointed to hear Bill accept coming into the office, so he assures her he is taking a week off to deal with what is the next steps as she fears they will take him, Dan, uh, Brian, away from them since he is adopted. I understand her questioning her instincts, reliving what she could have possibly missed, but I do feel as if Nancy's not addressing the true issue, which is that her husband is not emotionally there for her in a manner, or at least not in a manner, because I do feel he says all of the right things when he is there, but with the consistency or inconsistency due to his job of having that emotional support. Gunn is understandably miffed because he gets called in that while Bill is definitely dealing with a lot right now, and he did ask what happened, Bill didn't offer up any explanation other than his apology, nor did he at least call Gunn to let him know he was back in Atlanta and that put his dick in it, Holden was left unsupervised. As head of his department, which I, I, I don't think I truly appreciated, unfortunately, it's Bill's job to micromanage his talent, promoting their skills and mitigating their flaws. And we get a good insight, I think, this episode of Re highlighting what it means to be in that that hierarchical position versus being Holden who only has to follow his instincts to the best of his abilities uh, and, and doesn't have to consider all of the angles that Bill is more astutely aware of. Of course, we completely empathize with how work slipped his mind in the face of the traumatic life-altering circumstances, but one can only know what they know. Holden went too far into specifics. At first, he does say he didn't say anything out of line, but he read that room and knew while he wasn't out of 
the peripherals Holden talked himself out of the city knowing that the kidnapping was the only thing and the only reason that they were pretensely here for the true motivations he just disregarded that making it clear what their true intentions were so they they kicked him out Worse, Gunn couldn't anticipate the fallout as he was kept in the dark. Part of me feels that Bill is like, well, you keep promoting his recklessness. Let you both feel the consequences of just how naive Holden is and how he bites off more than he could chew. And maybe you will put some trainers on, but that's not what happens. And I don't know if he consciously would have been doing that or unconsciously would have been doing that i feel like i would have consciously done it gun wants to promote a need for them not wariness once the fbi shows up but we know how many decades later at least from the movies it would seem that natural suspicion is never alleviated when they do holden absolutely deserved having his voice raised against him (laughs) wow it's true you know he uh he certainly allowed him to maybe fumble the ball Honda does keep putting untested theories out there without any groundwork and while likely black is an option it's the only one explored with bill pointing out how asinine it is actually to present a profile without even visiting a crime scene you're not following the trail of evidence you have put your profile out there and now you're going to go to the crime scene and you're going to fit the evidence to fit the profile versus allowing as any good detective would do uh, to follow the evidence to allow you to tell to tell the story instead of the other way around you're just following your own tenuous hypothesis Wendy inquires if bill is okay not at all bothered by some yelling he offers to take the day instead of the month he really needs knowing he didn't curtail the child's enthusiasm but she knows holden is a full-time job Nene, before you get a whooping. You you better hit the Nene before you get a whooping. I like last season we explored Holden's thinking outside of the box, his his self-motivation, everything that he brings to the department that is revolutionary, right? But this season, we're focusing on the responsibility of that and keeping rationalization and procedure, foundational principles still at the heart of that. And I I really enjoy seeing how they bounce off each other, not only their idealisms, but the people. Uh, he is amused and looking forward to hearing Greg shit his pants because nobody wanted Greg. (laughs) So seeing him 
do terrible on his first interview is something that actually gives him a little bit of a necessary uplift. Wendy and Kay step up their romance by getting Wendy out of her routine of needing to see the trailers, get her see, get the popcorn. That is so me. I don't go to movies nearly as much as I used to. I don't even follow what's out at the theater. And my mom is shocked every time, like 20 years has it passed and a child later. <laughs> like, girl. That it's it's not the same person but yeah i did used to love to go to the movies and i am one of those people like i would show up 30 minutes early i need to get my snacks i need to get my seat shoot i need to see all the trailers this was before youtube was putting all the trailers online okay so seeing the trailers was part of the movie experience so i got it Kay, though, entices her back to her place for some much-needed stress relief. Kay is living in a place of sparseness with milk cartons or carts for shelves in a less-than-luxurious uh, apartment, but Wendy sees the beauty in it. I would think the wealth of your spirit would reflect in your surroundings or something to that effect with her replying, I don't need to have much to be so abundant because her life of authenticity is what Wendy adores about her admitting she's happy to be with her Kay loves her son and Wendy is already in love with Kay <laughs> she already wanting to meet him at the minor league game that he's gonna be here for the weekend for but Kay is smart and won't introduce her son to someone she recently started dating and it hasn't become serious yet, which is smart. Exactly what I say. <laughs> and while she likes her a lot, it's better they keep having life-altering orgasms until Kay can return the commitment. They discuss our team back in the office, the Henley interview, Wendy's tactics. <laughs> a distasteful word was thrown out there to describe her sexuality. But it was those times. While Wendy sees Henley as just as culpable, it's Bill now personally experienced on how a child can be influenced by those older for acceptance, has a better understanding of how Coral could have had his need to please a parental figure exploited in order to become complicit in, or I think I'm saying this the opposite, Henley. Uh, complicit in Coral's crimes, not seeing himself as a participant like Brian on top of adamant denial of his own sexuality. Holden is intrigued by this new angle with Greg agreeing, but mostly I just love how these conversations are so professionally handled because they all can express each other's opinion without getting upset. And that is a tactic that we have so lost in this polarizing climate we have right now. Since I'm a history nerd, I know this is not the first time society has uh, taken this taken this road, particularly after after traumatic experiences, life altering, world changing, COVID. Let's just say what it is, COVID. 
It's also why people think the rise of serial killers might increase in the next couple of years due to the climate being similar to when there's been a rise of serial killers. Wendy gets more dragging from Gunn once he shows up. I thought I was reading Holden from the transcripts because I could have sworn he was like, we got to go by these questions and was dragging everybody. She's like, okay, 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 I get it. We got to improvise. Gunn invites them to a party at his place to impress a potential benefactor named Wyman. Bill is still avoiding what's happening at home and Holden is still happy he gets to call his boss Ted. Don't be a bitch. Then he leaves with a bombshell. Oh, by the way, I got you, Manson, in three weeks. Greg was totally ear hustling behind the door, being mad to be kicked out every time. <laughs> Greg is never invited. <laughs> oh, he's like, did he say Manson? Wendy knows they have to approach this differently as Manson never killed anyone. He was the person that got other people to kill so they need to approach it from head of the family nancy and bill find out that brian won't at all have legal repercussions brought against him which that's fair and i was gonna be shocked and surprised if he was not only to his clear um what's the word i'm looking for decreased uh Oh, what? It, mm. <sighs> I don't want to say his, his special needs because that just feels wrong, but I'm not finding the right word. Diminished. There we go. Diminished capacity to understand fully the extent of what was happening. And they said he had nothing to do with the actual killing. His worry for the death, his worry is... And rightly so in this moment is why didn't he seek out help? Why didn't he actually tell you about what was going on? Does he know right from wrong? Is he a possible danger to society? There's a lot of unanswered questions here. And he did precipitate some, you know, some actions that are alarming that were in violation of a corpse that he knew was clearly dead. So I think some professional help is is called for, as well as mandatory social worker being assigned. And Bill's right. This was a good day when he tells Nancy because she is trying to take blame away. Well, it wasn't his fault. He didn't understand. Because in her mind, she doesn't want him labeled or stigmatized due to how harsh and cruel the world was back then to those who were, who were due to their own lack of understanding of said behaviors or their, um, their raised belief to, to think something's wrong with those people. Right. So she doesn't want to also be judged because that's a, that's a thing, too, in the society. If something's wrong with your child. Well, that's because something's wrong with you. And certainly that's not always the case, especially when it's like a disorder. But how you raise your children, which we will talk about very shortly, 
is something that I think Bill is starting to comprehend. And he is not someone who outwardly displays his emotions. And it is based on the generation that he came from, that he was raised in, where men don't express their emotions. Everything is put down. For fuck's sake, PTSD was considered a weakness or or cowardly. So, you know, when you do, yes, perpetuate a certain society, particularly around your mental health, you are creating scenarios and situations where the outcome can be less than sanitary. The officer tells him social workers are underpaid and overeducated. Don't try to talk your way out of anything. Just do what they ask. Amen to that. They've heard and seen it all. While I empathize with Nancy just wanting this to be over, I do think it's a little alarming that she isn't as invested in maybe finding out some underlying issue. She's she's allowing a lot of things later on to just kind of be swept under the rug. And I think it goes back to that original idea of, well, I don't want to say anything's wrong. I'll pretend not to see. And, and it happens too when, when people talk about how little Timmy slaughtered the whole entire family. And it's like, I didn't see anything wrong. It's like, no, sometimes the behaviors are there. You simply disregard them because you don't want to acknowledge what that could possibly mean for whatever A, B, C, D, E, F, G reasons. And it's not to say, on the caveat of that, that that some people just really do slide under the radar, but it's fucking rare. Manson, once they get back to the office to discuss, is basically a busted hobo, failed music artist, and mediocre type of person, ex-con. In general... Convinces seven middle-class good people to kill the Tate or enact the Tate LaBianca murders in less than two years. Mary and Bobby were arrested a couple of days before because they killed a music producer over a drug deal gone bad and tried to blame it on the Black Panthers by writing political piggy on the wall. Or was it political pig fee something to that effect they were also listening to manson's music and he's like he ain't half bad i'm like holden <laughs> we need to talk about your taste and how cozy you are with the serial killers but they wrote several pig references in the victim's blood at the tate and labiaca murder scenes death to pig and then pig the aforementioned race war he was trying to start take young white bourgeois bourgeois conservatives who grew up probably hearing that blacks uh, are niggers in the household probably grew up with a lot of that generational 50s square society uh that that time we went a little backwards after the world war after World War II, you know, notice the trends here. Trauma, then that idyllic phase. 
and then the crushing of the ideas as the, the young people are, are kind of like, what the fuck? As they are being utilized to, to conform to something that they don't feel authentically themselves about. So, yeah, they would be more pliable to use uh, as a tool in what Manson definitely had in mind with his own warped (laughs) ideas. The 60s were a crazy, crazy decade with the massive changes, particularly to the youth as the conservative side, idyllic side of the 50s, um, really put a stranglehold on their their power uh, in, in a very liberal time where the, the change wasn't just change. It was uh, kind of like growing up right 10 years right before the Industrial Revolution, right? You're like, holy shit. It's a lot. It's a lot happening and it's happening quick in your mind. And emotions are not catching up to that with those changes in society. And then you always have just like now with technology that push back from the older generation of what it does and so on and so forth that all led up to the Kent State Massacre, as far as I'm concerned anyway, with that sidebar going on. (laughs) Uh, Manson was uh, the result of the accumulation of so many things. Holden sees similarities between Manson and Krishna, who also prophesied a race war because uh, for a cult, you need the, the manifestation of a shared delusion created by fear. Helter Skelter was that for Manson's cult, even though Manson clearly plagiarized the idea. Reminds me of a statement. In the business, you deal with crazies. Okay, actually reminds me of another statement. Power either attracts the crazies or the crazies are all attracted to power the most. Someone who is full of confidence and certainty in the face of anxiety, depression, as I already pointed out, monumental change, and feeling a lack of power are emotions that are going to be cultivated by a messiah-like persona because that appeal is already ingrained from the society that taught them. So while Manson later on was talking a lot of nonsense, he had a little bit of truth, just enough in there, like Marco Norris, if you watch The Expanse, that you can see why people buy in. Um... Then there's the drugs. The social worker is Tammy from Southland. Having someone go through your home and judge you can't be easy. And Nancy prickles like a cactus. (laughs) She's so defensive. I wouldn't even watch if I'm going to be that defensive. Like, you know what? Bill, you watch what's going on, but you're nosy and you want to see it all. 
So you can't. I don't know. I would watch personally. I'm like, you know, do what you need to do. I ain't got nothing to hide. She notices the way in which Brian avoids. I missed her name, but it was Miss something because she corrected her. <laughs> uh, but she avoids contact with Bill. How Nancy makes excuses for all of his behavior, including not doing more to facilitate meeting someone new. Like, oh, hey, it's Mrs. Okay, don't talk. You can go watch TV now. Like, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> Maybe that is hampering his ability to make the appropriate response when meeting new people because you're not allowing him the opportunity and the time to learn because you're awkward in the silence and thus you don't give him his space and the time he needs to introduce himself. And not being harsh on Nancy, these are concepts that Nancy at that time would have no idea of because psychology was still, let's put some prods in your, your, your skull and fry you into obedience. But Bill understands from his point of view as a detective and working for the Bureau that this lady is walking the scene. She's making an excess an assessment and judgment based on what can be seen and proven and not based on any interpersonal bias. And that is how it should be. She is not there to make sure you and Bill are the best of people. She's making sure that Brian is best served. And being good people doesn't mean that you are what is best served for someone else. That, And I get why they would be upset about that and hearing that but knowing you know from a perspective of the 21st century that that's how it not only should be but it it it's um probably for the best <laughs> if it works out in Brian's favor it's like no matter how much you love them you might not be able to help them in the best way off to see the manson the wonderful manson of oz bills uh, bill tells holden try not to moist yourself before you get inside I'm at the holden with them ray-bans is definitely feeling him himself Especially as his fantasy has now come true in a way. He has to mold and perfect his own techniques to outsmart the killer. So in a way it is a killer to catch a killer. Manson stalls so they decide to go see Kemper. Whom I definitely didn't think we were going to get. It's perfect because all of these serial killers are jealous of each other. So this is perfect payback. And we need to get the answer on why Kemper went back to the crime scenes. Kemper knows that they are here to see whom he calls the charlatan because word travels fast, especially when it's about that man who talks too much and takes credit for anything and everything. His own value is his notoriety. Kemper introduces the idea behind trophies and revisiting the sites, why that's important to the serial killers because they get to relive the crime, but also perfect it. And he susses out that 
after someone who has yet that they are after someone who has yet made the news i was just thinking of something holden said kemper turned himself in and if he hadn't done so then he would still be out there and it's very true but because of that he also continues to allow himself to be reeled in by Kemper as a resource because he's addicted and he's attracted to to exactly what Holden is attracted to when it comes to finding these killers so they're kind of uh riffing off of each other and it could be unhealthy he continues to stress about the compulsion but also regarding how some killers can compartmentalize that word again so much that in their downtimes or cooling off periods as we call them now they can continue being normal while getting more efficient which is why the btk killer need to stop calling him that wasn't caught for so long and while holding me espouse about how much he knows about serial killer behavior he's only privy to the minds of those that have been caught not the ones who have yet to be caught and won't be caught for a long time until they dumbass in a floppy disk to the police station after confirming that no no i can't be tracked at all text a lead given to holden is someone he wants to check out but that's when bill says hey he's just reeling you in when are you going to stop playing into his game but that's when they had that whole conversation holden got himself a new pimp walk and a microphone how can anyone be impressed by such an unimpressive individual with a nazi symbol in his forehead he definitely made sure to show off because he's that much of a narcissist and egomaniac that was my response upon seeing charles manson it's also my first response to seeing him in an interview (laughs) but when he begins to talk about some of his ideals you get a little bit of a clue everyone likes to say i could never fall for the ills of a cult everyone is unfortunately if pushed to or manipulated in the right fashion can fall prey to a cult and the first step into making sure you can't fall prey to a cult (laughs) is understanding that part so while i had my opinion i listened to see what it was that i needed to be on the lookout for and what he explains is that your generation or society as a whole has made clones of themselves through their children by passing off their own ideas and beliefs and limiting individualism then tossing them out in the world as he says like trash because in his mind that's how he sees them 
from what from whence they came from being these um untapped un not given the full potential of their individualism and all he's doing in his mind is pointing them in a direction in which to express their misplaced rage now there's a lot of back and forth on what actually happened so let's explore what the show has to say before going into some some information i looked up regarding the actual incident the casting of manson was brilliant and you could see how anyone feeling a flow acid tripping and shelter could be sucked into this and his in particular nonsensical philosophy and his ardent deflection using word vomit and puppeting can convince people of something because all they're hearing is the parts that stick to them that make sense to them and they're kind of disregarding all the other parts <laughs> that don't follow the full narrative but that's what the drugs are for as well you don't need to follow a full train of thought when your mind won't even allow you to it's why in cults also they keep their members busy by preaching to them or having them work in a communist type of of thing where they're building and and farbing and doing other manual labor doesn't give them enough time to think the murders affect the society as someone not part of it it has no bearing on him so he doesn't feel responsible for it he tries to take responsibility away from himself saying oh it was their ideas because that's better to sell right what, horrid, what is horrid about these egomaniacs is sometimes they do hit upon the truths with what was happening between him and Bill. Because uh, he's like, you have a lot of anger in you. You look like a composite of something who or somebody who you've been told to be. It's all about the children you raise, the mistakes in raising them, which could have devastating consequences based on how you were raised. Daddy didn't hug me. Why do I need to hug my baby? After enough BS, Bill ends the interview. Holden was intrigued and amused by the man and wants to follow up with text because he can see the DA lying about the whole race war bit as a way to come up with a narrative. He wants to know if it's true or not. Manson seems to believe everyone in the cult was synonymous but that's because he was in control (laughs) even though he tried to extricate himself there's a lot of talk of the beatles which is uh something to be said because the beatles was very very anti-racist like no if you were not playing for a non-segregated crowd i guess you're not here in the beatles so that they were obsessed with the Beatles while also perpetuating a race riot. Sounds a little odd, right? Until you understand a little bit further on what it was meant to accomplish. And it goes back to that misplaced uh, anger bit. But before I get sidetracked once again from these notes that I spent so much time writing. 
allows it, but has to catch a red eye home, barely getting sleep for his interview with the therapist who is impressed to hear about Manson, which is a saving grace because Nancy thinks that his being tardy and the fact that he talks to serial killers all day is a mark against them. Tex reveals when Holden speaks with him that Manson's a lying sack of shit, which we then knew. Drugs were a huge motivator mixed with his cadence and his words and the inciting emotion, how he was lonely. It's like, how can you be lonely? You grew up with a loving family. Growing up with a loving family does not mean that you can't be lonely. (laughs) Holden thinks the kids all should have known right from wrong. Even in lieu of what has happened and while charlie is truly a charlatan he kind of feels tex takes responsibility anyway for his actions for the murders despite charlie pointing him in a direction he feels deep down he always had that beast inside of him he always had this anger and that's where we go with the outlier part right you're trying to conform to society but you can't you don't feel content conforming so you become an outlier but outliers are just discarded by society and so you're stuck because you want to feel accepted you want to feel a part of and thus the cult is that acceptance of who you truly are as a person and that anger well i could tell you what to do with that anger which is what charlie did inceptualizing the ideas having them what he says uh creeper crawling going into people's houses rearranging their uh, furniture setting up fake murder scenes he gave the orders they were the puppets And like in prison, after Charming holding a bit, he hands him his glasses only for him to take credit for stealing them to enhance his own feeling of power. For Manson, in my opinion, it feels as if he hates authority and society because he was never good at assimilating into it. So he created a world in which he has absolute control and feels even more hedonistically pleased that it's the children of his quote societal oppressors that he weaponized upsetting their whole idealism and concept of of what they think so that they are forced to reconsider their narrative and it's fucked up but it actually clearly worked Uh, The talking about how it's tiring to kill someone as he then talks about accepting Jesus Christ (laughs) saying I knew she was pregnant but I did it because Charlie said leave no one behind kill them all. It's the brainwashing which the team discusses once they get back to the office listening to the listening to the interview. Wendy aptly calls out how text transformation from one leader to another and jesus 
was easy to do because when you raise an obedient society with an obedient member of the family as head of that family, an authoritative figure, how can you not expect humans not to be primed to be exploited by that system? That's what it means to uh, accept that everyone can be talked into a cult. Uh, because we've been indoctrined from a, uh, from a very young age to follow certain types of, and it's usually for the better rules, right? But those same tools in a, in a less than person with the people that, like Wendy said, were also perfect for the exploitation, um... This is the outcome. Winnie is immediately placed in front of, oh, they go to, to guns. What do you say? It was a country club party. They don't show up all together, which I would think they would, but no, because I guess they were all trying to bring plus ones, Wendy, because she's not about to show up with some man just to prove that she has one. And of course, Bill has Nancy at home. She refuses to leave Brian's side. Wendy gets in, Gunn greets them, and she's immediately placed in front of their financing guy named Warren. And did Gunn really just unzip her dress? It's moments like this I can see why why white women would be so mad. <laughs> I'm saying it as a joke, but seriously, the the feminist movement is there for a reason. I don't do white feminism because you know if you know. But the feminist movement has every every valid reason to feel frustrated by how their ancestors truly were treated. Uh, to think that this type of behavior is okay. I can just imagine trying to do this to a sister because there is, and the reason why, and I'm not trying to say black women and white women both can't be uh, sexually exploited. Clearly that's not my, my thesis statement here. But what I am saying is I do think that white men think a little bit harder on whether or not they're going to make that move because there's a higher chance you might get your fingers broken. <laughs> um, he, uh, the man is impressed not only by her reports, but by her fit form. Tries to monopolize her time despite her clear disinterest, finding Bill outside, having also used Holden <laughs> as a distraction to get away. Holden starts talking and people start nodding off. Oh my God, bro. Oh, hell no, man. What the fuck, man? Get your ass on, buddy. You saw the other dude actually walk off. This is not his forte. <laughs> and this is why Bill really can't take the time he needs. 
Because Wendy could easily step into his role, but women can't be in charge. While he doesn't enjoy the dog and pony show, mainly because he doesn't know exactly what the goals are, he knows it's better than what she has to go through being eye candy for gropers, fondlers, and possibly Mickey slippers. He opens up about what is really going on at home, and she guarantees her discretion, understanding why Holden is not informed and offers any assistance she can. They decide to go back inside, seeing as life supported is needed. She says, I think I'm just going to go home. You know what? I don't blame you. <laughs> There's no reason for you to be here. You're not going to be introduced to any of the men here other than for them to... Uh, to sexualize and objectify you. Wendy firmly declines Warren's invitation to try to convince her to let him do anything to her before leaving for the night. Gunn informs Bill he indeed earned the goal in which he was after, congratulating him, showing that while he certainly sees Holden's potential, he values Bill's management. Holden was asked by Kemper of all people, do you have someone? Because Holden is also lost in society and alone. <laughs> and while Kay has a sparse place with an abundance of inner value, and and other things that she is that fulfills her in life i'm not sure the same could be said of holden he gets a call from jim that reports another murder in daylight has happened similar to all the others making this victim number 13. it's only then that he realized that manson wrote more than just his unsolicited signature in the book that he clearly wanted him to sign, but you didn't have to ask him to sign it because he is euphoric on this shit. He sees himself more famous than anyone else and only demurs when it comes to being charged, even though clearly OS is not getting out. I don't know how they got to, how they got to, what am I thinking of? Damn, Jeffrey Dahmer. How they got to him and not to Manson? It's just a question I have. It's only then that he realizes that Manson wrote, uh, each night as you sleep, I destroy the world. There's always someone out there doing just that. And that is the conclusion of my review and recap of the episode over my mini stumblings <laughs> because that is how we roll let's talk about what actually was said during the manson trial charles watson claimed manson had been saying that racial tensions between blacks and whites were about to erupt predicted the that black americans would rise up in rebellion and that the beatles songs foretold it in all code 
According to Watkins, by February, the family would create an album whose songs would trigger the predicted chaos. Murders of whites by blacks would be met with retaliation. A split between racist and non-racist whites would result in the whites' self-annihilation. So notice how that race war actually ends in not white supremacy, but white annihilation which is something to be, I think, taken into consideration when you talk about the the perpetrators and their mindset and the hippie movement and the drugs and, and what really they were trying to accomplish. It feels as if that was this was more centered against the world and society, a destruction of society with the reemergence of a new black superior uh, world, which would, I think they said in the episode, it's, uh, it's his ultimate control, right? So he wanted to be the one that, that set that all in motion. Mike McGann, an LAPD investigator on the tape, La Bianca murders later claimed, quote, everything in the Vince, Bull Galazzi's book, Helter Skelter, is wrong. I was the lead investigator on the case. Bull Galazzi didn't solve it. Nobody trusted him, end quote. Contemporary interviews and trial witness testimony insisted that the Tate LaBianca murders were copycat crimes intended to exonerate Manson's friend, Bobby Bosolo, whose names I can't say. Uh, this is also explored in the TV show where they're saying, hey, maybe this was just to cover up a crime because there was a lot of music, sex, drugs, and cultish behavior when it came to (laughs) uh, this group of friends. And I I do think that it's all tied together because you do have Tex Watson becoming involved in a drug dealing and robbing a 22-year-old rival named Bernard Lassapa, Lassapa Crow. Crow allegedly responded with a threat to kill everyone at the Spawn Ranch. In response, Manson shot Crow on July 1st, 1969 at Manson's Hollywood apartment. Manson's belief that he had killed Crow was seemingly confirmed by a news report by the, of the discovery of the dump body of a Black Panther in Los Angeles. Although Crow was not a member of the Black Panthers, Manson concluded that he had been an expected retaliation from the Black Panthers. He turned Span Ranch into a defensive camp, establishing night patrols by armed guards. This is, of course, um, part of what was going on with Tex. And then Watson would later write blackie was trying to quote blackie was trying to get at the chosen ones manson brought in members of the straight satan's motorcycle club as an act or to act as security i i don't know what the fuck is going on <laughs> with everyone's back and forth about what they knew and what led up to the murders but i'm thinking a lot of drug dealing a lot of drug
drug-induced shared delusions was going on. And while it feels like he really wanted to be a music star, it feels like he just wanted to be a star. And in the end, he kept putting out an idea and an idea. And then finally, his cult decided they were going to do it. And then like a little bitch, he uh, waited on the sidelines while they did all of the actual crime and he gets all of the notoriety and the fame. So in the end, technically, he won against society as he desired. And I think that's why he was so unapologetically happy to be in the media and sensationalized because he knew the effect that it was going to create. He would essentially be the first of the media killers, if you will. Kills just for the um, the fame. That is a good spot to wrap things up as someone is warming their truck outside my window. No biggie. And I think my functioning brain cells are just about at their limit. So if you want to send feedback for the next episode, blackercouch at gmail.com or you leave a comment below. My social media will be there as well. Remember to like, share, and subscribe. Until the next time, peace, hair grease, and blacker magic.